0: Welcome to Worker Movement, a podcast dedicated to the working class, a podcast dedicated to raising class consciousness. This podcast is for you, for us, for the
1: worker. Jury selection in the trial of Derek Chauvin is scheduled to begin on March 8th in Hennepin County, Minnesota, the county containing Minneapolis. Derek Chauvin was a Minneapolis cop that extrajudicially murdered George Floyd outside of a local grocery store in Minneapolis. We're going to recap some of the key developments before the trial begins. On May 25th, at around 8 p.m., a grocery store clerk reported that George Floyd was allegedly attempting to pay for cigarettes with a counterfeit $20 bill. We say allegedly because that was the claim in the 911 call, and an individual is innocent until proven guilty by a jury of their peers. In Minnesota, the highest penalty for knowingly using counterfeit money, less than $1,000, is up to one year in prison and a fine of up to $3,000.
0: It doesn't matter what it was. It's not a capital offense. And normally all capital offenses still require a judge. So this is an extrajudicial murder of an individual who hadn't even been actually convicted of a crime. So take a step back and say, what the fuck's going on here? And basically the police in every single state across the country act like they're above the law. And this is another one of those cases where they murder somebody. And it appeared that he was going to get off almost immediately. Because what's the first thing that happened? The union chief comes out or the union head of the union comes out and says, "Oh, you know there's stuff about the case you don't understand, and the police chief he comes out no oh, we're we're launching an internal investigation and oh all the same bullshit you hear all the time and what what this what they're trying to do, and this is common everywhere that you see police brutality and murder is they try to drag it out they drag it out as long as they can to prevent. The public for having a memory about it because the news cycle goes away but the one thing that changed though in minnesota was was they had enough and they burned that motherfucker down and that's what happened and now we're to the point eight months later so it's been eight months i don't know why it took so long i really don't understand what evidence I had to gather in eight months against him because there's literal video of him murdering somebody but Eight months has passed. They've dragged it out as long as they can
1: before he had to stand trial. So there's a number of observable instances of attempting to drag this out. Let's start with the Friday after Chauvin killed Derek Floyd. There was a hastily scheduled press conference for the federal district attorneys in whatever district Minnesota is. And it was a windy day and you had CNN there and you had all the national media there just pointing their cameras at a blank podium. And there was supposed to be this grand announcement, and there never was. And then you had the district attorney or the attorney of, I don't know what the title is, come out and just kind of ramble. And then you had the Hennepin County attorney of Minnesota come out and ramble, and then the press conference ended. Well, this press conference was supposed to announce that a plea deal had been reached between Derek Chauvin and the feds and the state of Minnesota, that he would serve 10 years. He would not be subject to a federal civil rights investigation. and this plea deal, to the best of the New York Times reporting knowledge, existed until Bill Barr, the attorney general appointed by Trump, said no to the deal. So Chauvin effectively said, I'm guilty. And the leak of this plea deal is a major issue in the context of getting a fair trial. But we'll come back to that later.
0: Bill Barr canceled this plea deal because he claims there's not enough information about the case. It it should ask the question, why would the attorney general cancel a plea deal for a law enforcement agent to take 10 years? And it has a a few different routes we can go. One, the question could be, does this set a precedent? Not a precedent that we're taking plea deals, but a precedent that we can actually justifiably convict police. That's one. Two, it also could be that he thinks that a trial would actually let Chauvin off. Because we know Bill Barr's a piece of shit. Who knows what the man's thinking? He's probably hoping that Chauvin gets off, because, you know, why wouldn't he? And he probably didn't want to do it during, I guess, the last bit of Trump's legacy. I really don't know why. I mean, it's it's sort of like the end of days, and, and he just decides to cancel this plea bargain. And the third is... Maybe it wasn't a lot of information, but uh, to me, that seems like not the easiest solution here because there's a lot of information.
1: Yeah, I tend to agree, given that the maximum sentence he can receive for the charges currently against him of secondary murder is 12 and a half years. But maybe that information wasn't knowable at the time, or or there was a fear that there was going to be even more egregious information that would come out, something like that. And Bill Barr has some precedent and some history to rely on in Minnesota. I think a year earlier, two years earlier, I'm not really sure of the details, but a black cop shot and killed a white female in an alleyway. And effectively, this was an accident. But the cop shot this woman. She apparently startled him. It was in a a darkish alley and she tapped on the window or something and he like freaked out and shot her. Uh,
0: Yeah, a trained police officer with his hand on
1: his gun in a car shot somebody At random to a window. This officer was eventually convicted of third degree murder and was charged by Mike Freeman, who's a County prosecutor. Yep. The county, a county prosecutor. Yep. And he was the same individual that initially charged Chauvin with third degree murder. A series of events happened where Mike Freeman was removed from the case. And now the attorney general of Minnesota, Keith Ellison, is charging the case. So he's the prosecutor in charge now. This is due to a a slight nuance in the Minnesota law where the governor can appoint a special prosecutor in certain circumstances. And that's that's what happened. But we don't want to undersell the degree to which Mike Freeman is incompetent, because as we've talked about before, the prosecutor works with the police. They are not impartial every day. Kamala Harris, the vice president, was a prosecutor. That's why we call her Copmola. She's a prosecutor. She's a cop. Cheap law enforcement agent.
0: In that area, city, state, county, whatever happens to be, they are the chief law enforcement person because they're the ones that get to decide what's charged. They're the ones that work with the police. They set the directive. They're the ones that work with them day in and day out.
1: They're they're basically the blue wall that prevents prosecution. So here's the nuance of third-degree murder. In Minnesota, third-degree murder is defined as follows in statute 609.195, section A. Whoever Without intent to affect the death of any person causes the death of another by perpetrating an act imminently dangerous to others and evincing a depraved mind without regard for human life is guilty of murder in the third degree and may be sentenced to imprisonment for not more than 25 years. So this is the charge that Mike Freeman charged the Minneapolis police officer that shot the white female in an alleyway. This person was convicted. And this was the same charge that was leveled against Chauvin initially. And this is all relevant because the police officer that was convicted, Muhammad Noor, has appealed this. And there's a non-zero chance that his conviction gets overturned due to a small nuance in the language of the statute. And the Minnesota Supreme Court has agreed to consider this argument. The argument effectively boils down to, can somebody perpetrate an act imminently dangerous to others when that act is targeted at a single individual. So if you intentionally shoot one person, are you committing an act imminently dangerous to others? So it's a singular versus plural. This statute was intended to address stuff like drug driving, where you injure other people collectively. So this is is a legal nuance that's playing out. But the point of this is that if you're a prosecutor and you're intentionally charging cops with third degree murder, and you have a reasonable belief that it's not the correct thing to charge them with, you can charge them, they can get convicted, they can appeal, and then it gets thrown away. So you're providing a lifeline. This statute is weird. It's a weird case. But this idea that the prosecutor will protect the cops, I think is borne out by the, the weird intricacies of this legal battle that's going on now. And The next piece is that Chauvin was charged with third-degree murder. Keith Ellison removed it and charged him with second-degree murder, which is a much more explicitly intentional act against a single individual. And now the prosecution wanted to re-add the third-degree murder charge in light of Mohammed Noor, the cop that was convicted's appeal that third-degree murder is valid being upheld. And the Minnesota Court of Appeals on Friday, March 5th, just remanded the prosecution's appeal to reinstate the third-degree murder charge against Chauvin back to the district court, citing the Nor precedent that the Supreme Court just agreed to consider. This is a mess and could very likely lead to a delay in the trial if Chauvin's attorneys also appeal to the Supreme Court. So you have these two competing ideas, and one's playing out in the Muhammad Noor case, and the Others playing out in the Chauvin case. And I think the prosecution is attempting to avoid this oddity, but it's being dragged out in courts. And it will have a non-zero impact on the trial.
0: This, the same legal strategy happens time and time again with police and justices. It's a waiting game. Just like Capitol, they will wait you out because they control the schedule. They control how long it takes the prosecutor to get it on the dockets.
1: They control how long it takes for you to investigate this or that. The key question of this case is likely going to turn on whether the defense can somehow spin that George Floyd had fentanyl in his system, and because of that, it's fine. That's going to be a key part of their defense. And whether that's a good defense or not, I'm, I, I'm neutral, I guess, on it. It's going to happen. That's going to be part of their defense. And as part of that defense, you're going to see stuff like, well, this training was intentional. This is something that we trained for. And because we trained for this, the the officer, the individual officer and his teammates acted appropriately. They did the right thing because they followed their training. And had George Floyd not had fentanyl in his system, the training would have worked and he wouldn't have died. And because the training was what we train on, we can't hold somebody accountable because that was their training. You're going to hear that over and over and over and over. It's an administrative issue. It's not the officer's fault, right? We
0: need to increase our training to, to e- examine these things. Fentanyl is a known drug and fentanyl is a wild ass drug. And if you don't have training for this, then you fail as administrator and should basically be in prison. I I don't really understand this argument, but again, you're talking about trying to convince, you know, probably an all white jury that this
1: white cop didn't do anything wrong. And that's another key piece of this. So if you want to charge a cop with a crime, shouldn't he be judged by a jury of his peers? Yep. So there's been debate and this links back to the plea deal leak. So because the plea deal leaked, this prejudices his ability to seek a fair trial. How many people in Hennepin County, Minneapolis, in the general Twin Cities area or nationally know nothing about this story and could serve on a jury? It's a smallish number because this was national news, there's protests, everything like that. So there's been discussions about, oh, well, the plea deal leaked, so now he can't get a fair trial in Minnesota, so we have to move it to Bumblefuck, Missouri. These have been actual arguments that have been raised. And I think a key piece of this is talking about what is justice and what is what is justice for your community. So when you talk about a jury of your peers, how about if you're a cop and you kill somebody in your community, your community judges you? Isn't that how it should work? Yeah. We talk a lot about injustices in this show, and Why Local
0: Matters. And I'm going to keep pushing this every single podcast and it's going to sound like a dumbass broken record. If If this pisses you off that Chauvin and every cop gets off, There's a way to actually change this. There's multiple ways locally. You can try to find a good prosecutor or at least hold a prosecutor accountable. Some places it's an elected position. Some places it's appointed. Find that process, try to disrupt it. You can also join the city council and change the way the police contract works. You don't have to have armed murderers roaming the streets. You don't have to. That's not a requirement. There's nothing that says that you must have Armed people wandering around in cop cars. You can have it be similar to any other local patrol in which they are part of the community. They live in the community they, that they serve in, and they're community service officers or community service personnel. And their job isn't to enforce laws, it's to make the community better. And their job isn't to look for broken windows crimes and, and try to hem up everybody in the community. The job is to make the community better.
1: When you see communities advocating for the not only the defunding of police, but the abolishment of the police. They're talking about the cultural problems that exist in all police forces because the police exist to preserve the class divide. And it requires looking at the police and the problems with the police from a bigger picture. So under the mantra of abolishing the police, what if instead of charging the individual that committed this crime in the context of he was following the training, Instead of just letting the cop off because, oh, he followed the training, which is a possibility, we said, oh, well, this this individual cop was following the training of a horrible fucking repressive entity called the police force. And we said, you know, instead of charging the officer, we're going to charge the entire police as an entity with murder. And then you let the community decide through a jury whether it gets the death penalty or not. Like, why isn't that a thing? Why do we say, oh, the officer did a bad thing, but oh, it was the training. But at no point do we turn around and say, well, if this entity is perpetuating this really, really terrible training, maybe we should hold it accountable through a legal process.
0: Absolutely. And, and, and why isn't the police chief, the city council, the prosecutor being held to the same standards that this officer is? If it is part of his training, well, shouldn't they be accountable then for this? Like who wrote the training? Well, who authorized it? Like, it didn't just come out of thin air. You don't just learn a neck neck thing from nowhere. Like, that fucking idea comes from somebody. Either you watched shitty movies or somebody told you, put your knee on someone's neck to restrain them. Those people should be in jail, at least brought into the public light.
1: The police entities that advocate for stuff like the chokeholds and the knee on your neck, Restraints do it in the context of this will have some property. And while we're not really advocating for those people and, and this specific policy, there are policymakers in governments that agree to this stuff and they like sign off on it and they like put it into training and they set up classes where they teach officers to do this shit. Like this, this is not just some like, oh, this guy, he went Google it on YouTube and he like, he watched a couple videos and he thought he'd try it at work the next day. No, like this is training. And if they're going to play the training excuse, whoever came up with the training and blessed the training needs to be fucking held accountable, too. But you never see that happening.
0: So you see things like 70% of the COVID-19 relief funding went to the Chicago police. What the fuck were they doing with that money? Where's the accountability
1: at? How did you get money for training and nobody knows what the training is? And then the training turns out to be like choking somebody out with your knee on their neck. Like that's what tr- police training like literally is. No one's ever held accountable because there is no model for police
0: accountability. There is no model for accountability normally in the public sector at all. But there, there is a reason to have accountability. So if you were to be a city inspector, as an example, and you inspected a building and it collapsed and you signed off on it, what would happen to you? Gulag. Yeah, you would go to jail or at least lose your professional license. If I was a PE, professional engineer, or I was a architect anywhere, and I was with that same building that collapsed, and I signed off on them, the people at that private firm would also lose your license and potentially go to jail. So now let's take that same mentality and apply it to other civil servants. Why is there not a mechanism for oversight when it comes to police actions? And I'm not just saying anything from, oh, they murdered somebody. I mean, all actions, Like there should be a review board about why you're stopping people for speeding. That doesn't need an armed person to do that. should There should be a question there. There needs to be a review board. That's not ex-cops because there's always this argument that, oh, co- only cops know how to manage cops. Fuck that. Put on random people from the street paying $20 an hour, $100 an hour, whatever it is, and have them review how cops are acting. Why have them watch videos. And be like, dude, this is fucked up. You can't stop random people and ask them for their IDs. Like that accountability needs to be there. You can't just stop randos on the street and say, let me check your pockets for a terry pat down, right? You, What the fuck? Th- those are accountabilities. There should be people screening, why wasn't your mic on? Why wasn't your camera on? I can say this. If, if, if this is a required PPE, personal protective equipment, if that's what is justified as, and I was on any job site, Anywhere. Any manufacturing, construction, pharmaceutical. Doesn't matter where I'm at. I'm in an auto mechanics place. I was going to say store. I'm at the auto mechanics. And there's required PPE. Which is gloves. Leather gloves. I'm an electrician and I'm on a level 0 panel. I need to have leather gloves and hearing protection in. Why? In case it arcs. If you don't wear those, guess what OSHA does? Bye. OSHA finds your shit and you can't work anymore. If If you're a rigger and you're trying to trying to lift heavy-ass shit, and someone standing underneath it, near it, or, or on it, you lost your license. You can't actually do it anymore. So why isn't that same accountability done with the police? Why isn't there an OSHA for police?
1: Money! All the examples you just went through of the civil engineer, of the architect, of the electrician, of OSHA, there are monetary consequences to this action. But with a police, because police have sovereign immunity, the municipalities in which they operate, have qualified immunity, the police can never be held accountable legally, civilly, and the city incurs no financial penalty. So qualified immunity is a giant piece of this cop accountability puzzle.
0: Again, the PE who signs off gets in trouble <laughs> if they do something wrong. The CPA, your public accountant, if they, if they do the numbers wrong, they go to jail for fraud. There
1: are, there are more CPAs in prison for financial fraud than there are cops for murdering people absolutely or any crimes
0: and arguably cpas have a have more to do with the the betterment of society than cops do they make the money turn it's capitalism they take
1: the rich person and they make them pay less taxes
0: duh so it trickles down to you i thought you understood capitalism the billionaire is just as dangerous as a cop because they
1: both kill you in different ways but both are supporting capital and they benefit from capital. So it's all effectively the same thing. We can handle it. So as Chauvin's trial begins, uh, jury selection is March 8th. If he is acquitted, I don't think people are prepared for the absolute complete shit show that will occur. And I think the cities locally are aware of this. You see pictures on the news of putting up razor wire around the courthouse and they're like calling in the National Guard or some shit. So like we we can spend money on the National Guard for some trial of a cop. But we can't have the National Guard distribute masks or vaccines or give food to poor people. So, I mean, just take a step back and look at our priorities from that angle. Think about
0: the amount of resources for this individual who murdered somebody.
1: And think about the last time you saw a murderer get this type of treatment. So Chauvin is also charged with other crimes. Him and his wife are charged with $450,000 in tax evasion. So they're doing the Al Capone treatment a little bit. There is a little bit of a fail-safe, so if they somehow get off on being a murderer, he's probably fucked in terms of tax evasion. So a little bright light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. Another fun thing that the city did to prepare for the trial was they hired six, and I'm using air quotes, influencers, and they paid them $2,000 a piece, and they were going to help provide information to disadvantaged communities to prevent the spread of disinformation. This is a real thing double speak and and then basically the internet and twitter started making fun of it and they rolled it back saying oh well we were trying to do a right thing but we realized that we were being insensitive or some shit like that and it's like how about you take that what two thousand times six twelve thousand dollars and like literally give it to poor people if you just have money to throw in a fucking blast furnace but
0: that'll never happen the the city will go as far as they can go unless there's pushback and there's
1: nothing you can do about it until you run locally and the the very fact that they proposed this influencer scheme and then they canceled it a couple days later should tell you how many people are dialed into this and the absolute shit show that will occur if Chauvin is not found guilty. They couldn't even do propaganda without people like crawling up their ass.
0: This is the first time in a long time where an officer is on trial because arguably should have been let off. If we think about the way Biden fights for fifteen dollar in our minimum wage this is disrespecting the tradition of the of the institution. So so really, you know, Chauvin is like the first time in a while where a high profile murderer is on the news again. And they're gonna be hyper dialed in because at there is a lot at risk here. The police don't want to see a pig get thrown in jail because it's gonna basically question all the crimes they commit and whether or not they'll be culpable for their actions. The individuals in the community don't want to see the, the murderer get off because they're terrorizing and murdering people like a gang would, like the mob. If you think about the mob in Tony Soprano, that's what police departments are. So there's a lot of stake here. And then the public officials, the, the Keith Ellisons and the the attorney generals and the mayors and the governors are all sitting at the edge of their seat to, to see if they actually have to do anything with their police department.
1: In Minnesota, the first cop ever convicted of murder was Mohammed Noor, and we talked about him earlier, and he's a black cop. So the first cop ever convicted of murder was a black cop, and now you have a on-video slaying of a white cop also being on trial. So now there's precedent for cops getting charged, and there's a little bit of a hand-wavy argument about this third-degree murder thing that the institution of law enforcement is trying to dangle over and get everybody off the hook. We'll see how that plays out. But... This is an advancement because you'll have Minnesota potentially being the first state that really goes after and charges cops and convicts them. Like this is not happening nationally. And that's why it's not at all big national storm. So when we talk about police justice or what it would look like in this scenario, I think we have to consider two things. There's accountability, and we've talked about that some. Yep. But there's also another thing, which is how do you prevent this from happening again? And both of those have to be done in tandem. The accountability piece is forgotten by the wayside in most cases on purpose. But you do see a lot of shit libs arguing about preventing the same circumstances from happening again. This is why you see vacuous action like, oh, we're going to make chokeholds illegal. And everybody's looking around like, yeah, no shit, they shouldn't be illegal. How are they illegal? Like, how does that even fucking make sense? So they do this, oh, we're going to make chokeholds illegal. And, And to some extent, they're recognizing that the goal is to prevent the same circumstances from happening again. But I'm not sure that they're doing it in the context of addressing the systemic problem of cops murdering people. I think they're really just trying to prevent the problem from happening again, so that they don't have to deal with it. It's
0: it's with ShitLibs, There's again, it's it's all about the process. We always talk about how fucking dumb they are. It's all about well, what do we got to do to bring the community back together? They always say these these basic like I don't know cliche statements that are just weird caricatures
1: of like a 1950s like television show it's like law and order fantasy to tradition and makes no sense politically,
0: but they don't have any other knowledge of what to do because they don't actually live it. The shit lives that say dumb shit, like we should have a beer summit or they say dumb shit. Like um, we should ban chokeholds. Like really, that's what you're going to like. The high bar for action here is, is something that should never have been part of the police culture or training in the first place. I mean, chokeholds are banned in WWE, and if it's banned there, why is it not banned in you know, police force? I can say this. When you talk, talk about the accountability and justice part of it, how do you prevent the same thing? And, and we're going to talk about it from the medical or the engineering point of view or the CPA point of view or whatever professional services you, you talk about. They have rules in place, so they can't happen. There's FEC rules, so you can't violate laws with the election committee. There are rules with OSHA, so you can't violate occupational safety and health, right? There's the EPA, so you can't violate environmental policies. So there's actual federal and local and state regulations that prevent this stuff. So the question now is, why are there not those same things on the books for accountability and preventing the same circumstances? They have to wear body cams. If you don't wear a body cam, you're immediately fired. That's the accountability, and that's how you prevent the action. All I know is that at, at wherever I'm employed, if I don't follow the rules, whether or not it's safety, if, if it's accounting rules, whatever it happens to be, they fire me. Thou shall not do this, and I did it. I'm fired. Everybody here, the 99% of the rest of us, get fired when we don't do our job. When the pigs sit around and they talk to each other car to car in a, a private property driveway somewhere or a parking lot somewhere and pretend that they're policing, I mean, they get to do what they want all day long because there is nothing to prevent them from doing that. If you want to make change, and we'll say this a thousand times, run for city council. Please, please consider running for local office.
1: For future episodes and to learn more about the worker movement, join us at workermovement.com.